Welcome to Recover Strong, a show that will transform your recovery from an eating disorder by helping you go from theory to practice to mastery. I'm Jessica Flint, founder of Recovery Warriors, and you are listening to our podcast channel created specifically for you in all the stages and phases of recovery. I want to celebrate you for carving out this special time to learn new skills, tools, and get the inspiration you need to recover strong. Let's get started. I'm your host, Andrea Wells. And just like you, I understand what it's like to live with an eating disorder and be held back by body image struggles. The recovery journey is ongoing, and we're all in it together as we learn to embrace new behaviors and new thoughts day by day. Join me as I connect with eating disorder experts and thought leaders to give you the tools, resources, and strategies you need to recover strong. Today is a five things feature where you get more recovery wisdom in less time. Each week, we talk about five things related to recovery. And today's topic is five things you need to stay on track and make real progress in your recovery. And I'm here with Jessica Flint, who you know and love as the founder of Recovery Warriors, a global movement and education platform that has helped millions of people recover from an eating disorder. So welcome, Jessica. Oh, thank you for having me here, Andrea. And I'm just I'm so excited for you to be taking this torch and being the new host of Recover Strong. You're so you're so made for this. So I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, thank you, Jessica. I appreciate that so much. And of course, um, Jessica started this podcast channel over nine years ago, and it was called The Recovery Warrior Show, one show. And since then, it's now grown into The Recovery Warrior Shows, a podcast channel with a lineup of shows that are designed to help you move forward in recovery And I'm excited to say that as of today, as Jessica mentioned, this is the official first show with me as I was to recover strong. She's passed the baton to me and I'm I'm very grateful. And you may have already gotten to know me a little bit on the Fear Less series that Jessica and I have been co-hosting here on the podcast channel. And if you haven't listened to Fear Less yet, I highly recommend it. It's got a lot of valuable, practical, actionable advice to help you face fears around food, body, and more throughout the eating disorder recovery process. And it's been a dream come true to connect with you on Fearless and now as the new host of Recover Strong. And I feel really honored to help you in recovery. So thank you for listening and thank you for being on the ride with me. And you will still be hearing from Jessica. She's here with me now on Recover Strong as we transition over. She'll be continuing on with Fearless as well with me. And you'll hear her on her new upcoming show, Love and Learn, which is coming soon. Yay! We love you listeners so much. Ah, yeah, thank you. I've, we've been like, um, we've been building our podcast channel for the last year now, and we're really getting into it. We got multiple shows. We got love notes that just came out. Yeah. We're growing. It's beautiful. We're growing. We just want to like reach as many of you as possible wherever you're at. So that's really what we're building here. Is so many ways to connect with you guys in different show formats and styles and topics. So, yeah, we're here for you. Something for everyone, no matter where you're at in recovery. Exactly. So yeah, stay tuned for Jessica's new show, Love and Learn, coming soon on the podcast channel. And in the meantime, we are teaming up here today to go over five things you need to stay on track and make real progress in your recovery. And these five things will help you stay motivated for the long haul, no matter where you're at in recovery. But first, Jessica, can you share what inspired this topic and why you feel so strongly about staying on track? 
And recovery is something that requires an immense amount of perseverance. And that perseverance pays off. It really does in the end. And I've always pictured recovery like it's we always talk about it metaphorically as like a journey, right? And there is this path that you feel that you're on. And I often like to think about it with the, you know, the story of the tortoise and the hare and how really it is these small steps that will get us ultimately to our destination. So it doesn't have to be this flash thing, like you don't have to be the the speedy hare that gets through to the finish line. It really is about this perseverance. And this idea around progress is so important. And real progress, I think is a word that we put in there because there can be pseudo progress where you feel like you're making progress and you're really just kind of spinning yourself deeper into the mindsets that get you into the eating disorder or you're not necessarily meeting the true like, core issues that need to be solved. And I like to you know, look at this in all angles where we can really get to the heart of the matter. Meanwhile, making sure you're taking those steps forward. Because at the end of the day, what we really strive for here is deep healing at a fundamentally like soul level. And that's what I believe is what an eating disorder can not only help you signal that there is deeper healing for you, it can and really be that thing that helps you get there where a lot of people don't ever have to go so deep within themselves and be so introspective to to truly change. Recovery is like an onion. There's many layers to it. You're going to keep peeling them back and get deeper and deeper. And you got to cry. <laughs> yep. You got to yep, cry. That onion, make you cry. That yeah. onion is going to make you cry. And that is okay. <laughs> We're pro-crying here. We're, We've been open about that. We are pro-criers <laughs> and we are for it. We are for it and we are really good at it. <laughs> Join us. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for sharing that, Jessica. And yeah, staying on track and perseverance is so important for recovery. I'm really glad we're going to highlight that some more as we get into these five things. So let's dive in to the five things you need to stay on track and make real progress in your recovery. Number one, connection. Now, connection is key to recovery from an eating disorder. Like if you think about how isolating and secretive an eating disorder can be, think of all the times that you've hidden your symptoms or behaviors or hidden what you've eaten or not eaten Eating disorders just thrive in darkness and in the shadows. And connection is like cracking a little door open to that darkness and shining a light on it. It, it brings the darkness to the light and it helps you stay accountable when you bring in other people too through connection. And there's a lot of research and science behind the power of connection when it comes to healing. And according to the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, and according to Stanford Medicine as well, Research shows that social connection can lead to longer life, better health, and improved well-being. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much research behind the power of connection and healing, whether it's from an eating disorder or any, any struggle that you're having. So Jessica, I'm curious, what kind of experience did you have with connection or recovery? What role did that play for you? I mean, connection was huge. First, I had to like, realize how disconnected I was, disconnected from my body disconnected from my own internal hunger um, cues, disconnected from my pain, uh, whether it's physical or emotional, and just disconnected from, from true intimacy, right? I think true intimacy is allowing someone to see you. I like, kind of like to think about intimacy as like into me, you see. Uh, so in, into me, you can see. And if you don't want to be seen because you feel like you're not lovable, then that really holds you back from true intimacy because you're you're going to 
you know, only want to show certain parts of yourself or just really isolate yourself. And, and I was very good at that. And for me, what connection did early on in the eating disorder process was I connected with a woman, interestingly, during college years when the eating disorder got to really, um, I mean, I struggled with eating disorder since around the age six, but in college, it got very, very heightened. And we bonded at first, we connected over the eating disorder, you know, like we connected over like going to the gym and eating the low fat sugar free yogurt. That would be like our bonding time. And then she slowly opened up to me that like, you know, these food behaviors were kind of different and not really normal. And we started to look at Janine Roth books, uh, who's an author that talks a lot about, she has this book, um, when you're hungry, when you're eating out of the, I forget the name of it, like when you're eating out of the refrigerator, pull up a chair. And we, we started to bond and connect over our healing of our eating disorder together. And that was really helpful. That was the first person I ever let into like, I'm doing some uh, destructive behaviors and outside of therapy. And I think there's something that's different when you bring in connection that's outside of just the counselor or a therapist. And we were really able to be strong allies for one another. I did have to go to a higher level of care than her. And that even gave me more connection that I needed. I never had connection within my family system to help me through an eating disorder. So that's why I, I am so passionate about this. I think that's why I just pour my heart into this work because I understand there's people out there who have really supportive family systems and that is awesome. And there are people who don't have supportive family systems and they really need to know that you can get through this without supportive family members or people within your close-knit system, family system who can see you and... um bring you the the care and the concern that you need. And you can find that outside of that. So that that's why it's really important to me. And I recognize how much connection has, has been an ongoing process to then reconnect with my body, reconnect with my hunger cues, reconnect with who I am at my core. So it's just the connection extends beyond, I think, just people one-to-one type of connections. It really is just this bigger, more meta concept to like how connected am I with self, uh, with the the world around us, with, you know, I'm a very spiritual woman, but I would say just connected with the oneness or the divine or however you call it, but just connected with that there's this greater universal energy or higher power that's here for you. And at least that's been so integral for me, not having that strong kind of family system to know that I have a larger family system I can tap into. Yeah, no, I'm glad that you are sharing that perspective. Connection is about connecting with other people and it's it could be about connecting with yourself. And also I know like you may be listening to this and everyone has different levels of interest in being social. Maybe connecting with one person or multiple people is doesn't really speak to you or maybe it does, but you know, some people are more introverted, some are more extroverted. So Connection could be getting involved with people. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's yeah, getting in time, getting connected with yourself. Um, you can connect with animals, with nature, spirituality, like Jessica said. Anything that is both within yourself and outside of yourself, or anything to help you see that like it's more than just you. You're not alone. There's a bigger world that you're a part of, and it, like it brings so much power into the recovery journey. And you know, part of staying on track is, you know, being able to have this connection. And so one thing I've always helped people with as they went through programs uh, that, that we've led over the years is to really look at like, who is my support system? 
And is it in, and write that out, write that out. Who am I actually like in support with? Who do I have encircled around me? And what Andrea said is key. Like we actually don't need to have a vast number of people. The, we can have a small support system around us and that's enough. You can find what works for you. And one thing that we have created and that I'm just really proud of because I just know how much it's going to help people is we have our Courage Club, which you guys as listeners of the show have heard about. And one thing that we unite people around within this in our accountability pods, which are our way of helping people create more social glue, more connection, is this practice of gratitude. And you show up every day and you share three things you're grateful for and one thing you want to celebrate. And I'm telling you guys, the research shows too how much gratitude boosts your resilience, your emotional resilience, your well-being, helping you see the good things in life so you're not always looking at through with negative filtering. And this simple process of connecting to what you're grateful for allows you to have deeper connection with yourself, with others. I, it's the most bonding experience I've ever seen uh, by people sharing their daily gratitude because you just get into their lives like, hey, this is what they do on a daily basis. But it's also something that helps you connect to, wow, there are things around me that aren't so bad, right? There's things around me that I can celebrate. Uh, even finding within a hard day, the gratitude of like, I went through this hard day. And then that's a connection piece that you can have with somebody because they're seeing you. They're seeing you in your hard day still showing up. And so that's just another thing I encourage you guys when you're thinking about this connection. What ways can you share your world, your life with people in from a lens of gratitude, from a lens of seeing this resilient part of yourself growing in your recovery as opposed to just, you know, all the negative, right? We don't want to focus too much on that because what we focus on, what we feed is what we grow. And so we're not trying to like bypass what is called toxic positivity. It's not toxic positivity. It's just being open to to seeing the positive things that are in and around you. And that creates deeper connection in your life with others and with yourself. Yeah, no, no. Gratitude's been so um, so helpful. And you're right. There's always something, even if you're having a terrible time, there's like the silver lining to the cloud. There's always some level of hard things, crappy things, and good things or even amazing things happening at the same time. And it's just like, what are you going to focus on? You don't want to, yeah, toxic positivity is just focusing on the positive and not honoring your pain, not honoring the struggles. But for me, and a big part of my healing has been taking it all in. No, honoring the good and the bad. Honor that it hurts. Celebrate the good stuff. And that's been really powerful for healing. For healing so. Yeah, it's connecting with your emotions. All these things we have to think about with connection, guys. It's not just with people. It, it's with yourself. It's with and, and people help you experience that and communicate it. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. And yeah, we will be getting into that more. We'll be practicing that in the Courage Club when we launch soon. So that is our first thing that you need to stay on track and make real progress in your recovery. Connection. Now let's move on to our next thing. Number two, courage. Recovery takes guts. It takes courage. And there are so many fears that we encounter on the road to recovery, like fear of a changing body, fear of how others may perceive you, a fear of failure, a fear of not being loved, fear of foods or situations, like the list really goes on and on. There's so many fears. Um, there's no shortage of them. So it absolutely takes courage to be accountable and stay on track in recovery. And that can be easier said than done. And that's part of why we've been sharing our Fearless audio series with you because it's designed specifically to help you work with fear in eating disorder recovery. 
And Jessica, you've been the real brainchild behind Fearless. You put together and created all the super valuable lessons that you've been that we've been sharing on the show. And I want to ask you, what role does courage play in recovery? And how do you actually find the courage to move past your fears? Because sometimes it feels easier said than done, right? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's just such a big question. I like to like first look at the word. That's generally what I do with anything is I always look at the word first to try to understand it more. And so when you look at like the Latin root for courage, it means heart. So it really, in the earliest form, the word courage meant to speak one's mind by telling one's heart. And a lot of times, so courage really essentially is is a heart word. It's heart-based. And so when we think about the word courage, we often can you know, associate it with more this like, I'm going to go in and I'm going to go slay the day and just do all these hard things. And it to me, courage is really about allowing your heart to to be vulnerable, to be exposed, to to be felt. And so much of an eating disorder really is. And you know, many people recognize this much later in the process. So I wouldn't say this is a, a first budding awareness when you have an eating disorder. First, there's the budding awareness of like you know this pursuit of thinness. And once we start to evolve past, okay, this is the problem that I'm working on is is healing these behaviors and these thought patterns. Well, then you start to see then what's the deeper core pain that was being numbed or being um, distracted, essentially, you know, and when you're working on something and so obsessed with it, you you don't have to see the thing underneath it quite yet. And so when I think about courage, when it comes to recovery, it is, yes, the courage to to do the hard things, to face all these fears, but it really is an opening of one's heart in allowing one to feel pain, to feel grief. I think there's a lot of trapped grief in in the process of recovery, whether that's grief of the body that you're you're no longer going to have or that you've been so uh, you know just gripping onto or trying so hard to get to like that was what you really wanted or you needed or you felt like you had to have or be there's grief in that process there's grief in the process of you know unmet childhood needs that will never be met in the way that you needed them then right so there's some grief in there you have to really face that like okay, now I get to reparent and be my mom and be my dad. (laughs) But it's like, okay. But there's still grief in that part of me that never got to experience that. And the responsibility, yes, is on me now, but there's grief there. And and there's grief in, man, all the years that the eating disorder took away your joie de vivre, like your life, like your ability to just experience people, connection, right? All these things. So when I really think, when I think about courage in recovery, it's about doing that harder work. And that work needs to come first when you are at a point where you are nutritionally rehabilitated or you are on a path of nutritional rehabilitation, because it's really hard to do that deeper work when you have a starved brain. And a starved brain does not have to do anything with your BMI or your weight. Uh, it was a big misconception that I was under when I had an eating disorder that I wasn't, you know, thin enough to have a starved brain. Or I mean, I just, you know, I was somehow an exception because I needed to continue to diet because I was overweight. So like all these things was was more of my my core belief that I was actually restricting a lot, even though I was engaging in binge eating and engaging in bulimic uh, cycles. So 
with that said, it's that part's really important. So I think there's the courage to face the food fears, which I do think are fears that I remember meeting and I know people are meeting, you know, our listeners are. And then there's the fears beyond those. And I just encourage people, and I love that word encourage, right? <laughs> like, come on now. Uh, encourage people to to work past those first layer of fears because we want to get to that second layer of fears because that's where the true beauty can be experienced in life when you when you get to those. And um, you're not alone in it. And, and that's what we really want to help you guys with with the shows and all the things that we're doing here is to to open that heart, to have that courage, to to have that the pain, the grief. And because when we have the pain, we can also have the joy. Uh, there's a polarity. We shut out the pain, we, we shut out the joy and all the good that can come in as well. So we want to live in full color, not black and white. I love that. And I love how you bring etymology into things, the, the meaning and origin behind words. I think that's so beautiful how you've tied courage into heart and opening your heart. You have such a beautiful way of describing these things sometimes. I think that's really cool. So thank you for sharing that. You know, what I just noticed is I'm, I'm drinking out of my courage mug oh, cool. right now. And so I just want to read the quote on, on the back because I feel like maybe this could tie into what we're talking yeah. about. It says, courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. So I just want to put that out there that that it doesn't have to be this loud roar. Courage can just be this soft little like I can I can keep going. I can do this. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be like this huge thing. Like sometimes you feel like if you have to overcome a fear, you have to just like jump into the deep end of the pool, but really it's, you know, dip your toe in. Do one small step at a time. It's a marathon, not a sprint, just like the tortoise and the hare that Jessica mentioned earlier. It's all about taking tiny steps towards a bigger goal. So just the concept of like break things down into small steps that feel manageable. You don't have to overcome your biggest fear all in one day or one moment. It takes time and you are capable. Open your heart, like Jessica said. And there's also this idea too, like of recognizing where you're at in like a season of your life. Like sometimes you have more like, yeah, gumption. Like I'm just going to go for this because I, I feel confident. I feel like I can take on whatever. And other times life is like, a bit harder and you, yeah, you want to just slowly step into it, but yeah. just to not go too far out there. Cause if we go too far out of our comfort zone, well, then we just go right back into it and we say that didn't work where if we can slowly widen it, we can say, okay, you know what? I can tolerate that. It's about learning. It's about increasing our tolerance. It's really that you can increase your tolerance to any emotion right? Because we're talking about it's the seat of our emotions in our heart. If we can really increase our tolerance, that will help us. No, thank you for bringing that up because it's true. You know, recovery ebbs and flows. Sometimes you might be totally ready to take on something big and maybe sometimes not. So just honor where you're at. And if you don't feel ready to make a huge step in the moment, that's fine. Sometimes you need to nurture yourself and get ready and be kind to yourself in the process. It'll, it's all going to happen in time. It ebbs and flows and you're on the path and you can find the courage. So this brings us to our third thing that you need to stay on track and make real progress in your recovery. Number three, commitment. Eating disorder recovery takes time and you need to ask yourself, are you in it for the long haul? Because committing to eating disorder recovery is one of the most important commitments that you can make. It is a commitment to yourself, it's a commitment to a better life, and it's a commitment to making recovery a priority in your life. 
And that doesn't mean that you're perfect or that you can't make mistakes or you won't relapse. Recovery is not linear and these things do happen. But when you're committed, the slip-ups don't mean that you've failed or that you give up. It just means like, what's that old song? Um, <laughs> I'm tempted to sing right now. Yes, yeah, sing. I don't know. Okay, I'll say it. Uh, if, if at first you don't succeed, dust yourself off and try again. Try again. Yeah, okay, that's <laughs> yeah you know the song. <laughs> you can dust it off and try again. Yeah, that's a hard yeah. one to sing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what recovery is. You know, it's, it, you're never going to be... It's it's not about perfection. Progress, not perfection. Keep going. Take the time to recover from what feels like a slip up or a failure and just know that the path is still there and you can still go on it. And it's okay to be gentle and kind with yourself along the way. So Jessica, can you share your thoughts on the importance of commitment in recovery? Yeah. I mean, wow. I love the word commitment. And this has been one that I've been really focusing on myself internally over the past you know, year plus. And when you start to question, when times get tough, you can often like try to find the escape backs, like hatchet or whatever and be like, okay, this is tough. I'm not going to go. I'm just like going to get out of here. But that's not true commitment because true commitment's like, I'm going to stick with this. This is tough. Uh, and when you're committing to recovery, like let's just say there's things that you can commit to that are really good to get out of. Uh, sometimes there's partnerships that people are in, if we're going to talk about a marriage, that aren't good for the the two people to be together. Like it's dysfunctional. It's not working anymore. Yeah, that actually is okay to say goodbye. Let's go our separate ways. Uh, people that force something to stay for a long period of time can actually do a disservice to their health and to the people around them. But when you think about recovery, I have never heard anybody regret their decision to recover. There may be some nostalgia, like, oh, I remember when I fit into that size thing, or I remember when I got those compliments or whatever it is, that yes, okay, there can be nostalgia. So I'll I'll say that I've never heard anybody regret their decision to recover. I have heard the nostalgia come in. And with that said, then when you're making this decision, this commitment to recover, know that this commitment is leading you somewhere better. Right. So, and and then when you understand all these things that are going to pop up in the way that are going to try to dissuade you from going this way or saying this is too hard, it could be so much easier. Why don't you just go back to how things were? That's when you have to stand up and be like, okay, wait, no, I'm committed to this. In commitment, when you're really committed, it is truly being all in, like all in. And when you are all in on something, that means you make it work. And that means that sometimes you have to have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, all the way to plan Z. Like you have to find as many ways as possible to make what you want to have happen, happen. I do believe that full recovery is possible. And when you commit and know that I'm going to try as many things as possible, or I'm going to put myself in as many situations or just go into this with the, the the mentality that I am making it through this. I'm going to keep going. I am an unbreakable spirit. I am someone who perseveres. I am so committed to this that I am not going to stop because I have a diamond will and I am able to get into extreme pressure and temperature changes, extreme pressure and extreme transformation in order to truly find that within me, my diamond will, my ability to get through these hard times. And so when I look at commitment from that lens, it's a really powerful tool to drive you forward. And not every day you're going to show up with like that 
you know, passion for what you want to have happen. But if that can be your base, your base is that I'm committed to this and I'm going to make this happen, then you'll see things will start to unfold and you will connect with people who will help you and you'll get the messages that you need to get. And they always say, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And so understand that that can happen in so many forms. It can be through a podcast, through a book, through a person who walks into your life, through an experience that you are, you're given. So to me, that commitment process is is the most important because if you're not committed, you're going to keep being one foot in, one foot out, one foot in, one foot out. And you know, that gets so tiring over over time. Like if you're gonna be doing that many steps, well, take the steps forward, not just, you know, one foot in, one foot out. Um, and I, I guess the one thing I want to say too is that if commitment wasn't modeled to you in your life very well to understand that that's a muscle that you need to learn how to build on your own. And just because maybe in your life commitment wasn't modeled to you, and this is, doesn't go for everybody. I just want to say this for some people who this may mean something to, if commitment wasn't modeled to you, then you may struggle with this idea of commitment. And so the more you can, once again, create that within yourself, you'll see that it will make you someone who um, values commitment more and sees the importance of it. And uh, with that, you'll have more commitment come into your life in ways that you would would hope for. Yeah. And I always think like, if you have come this far through the hell of an eating disorder, you, you, it's, you know it sucks to live this way. This is why you're pursuing recovery. And it's hard. It's hard to go through those things. And if you're still here and you're at this point and you have survived all of that, then I know you have it within you to to seek out commitment, to make a commitment. Because if you can go through everything you've been through so far, you can go through recovery. Yes, it's hard. So is living with an eating disorder. Mm. So I just want to encourage you to make a commitment to recovery, to find that within yourself. It is there. And I do believe you're capable and that you're worth it. And every day we're making a commitment to something. Are you committing to wanting to, like you are, like our choices, our decisions are the ways that we commit to things. So I love how you're saying if you're living with eating disorder, you, well, you're committing in some way to to the eating disorder. And so what would it be like if you committed to the path to recovery? And I just also want to say too with commitment is when you're committing to your recovery, like you're also committing to falling apart, <laughs> to the relapses, to all of that. Like just to know that there's the wholeness, just as when you're committing to a partner, you're committing to their neuroses, you're committing to their idiosyncrasies, you're committing to their, why would you do that when you could do this type of things where it's like, you're committing to all of them and they're committing to all of you. And so when you're committing to your recovery, it's not like you're just, we're not trying to paint. It's just like, oh, it's this magical thing. Like you're committing to all of it, all of it. And there's beauty when we can enter into the wholeness of our being and the wholeness of our life experience, which does mean the hard parts, the good parts, the challenging, the the things that just feel so, wow, I'm like experiencing new ways of being and thinking and this is awesome. You're committing to it all. No, it's beautiful. It's messy. It's ugly. It's amazing. It's crap. It's all of it. It's everything. And you commit to all of it. So thank you for highlighting that. And thank you for sharing your thoughts about commitment and recovery. And now let's move on to our fourth thing that you need to stay on track and make real progress in recovery. Number four, calendar. Now this one is all about staying accountable with time-bound steps to help move you forward. 
And when something is time-bound, that means that it requires completion by a certain deadline or within a specified period of time. And Jessica, I'm going to give you the floor on this one because I know you are the queen of the calendar and tracking. Um, It's something that we do here too at Recovery Warriors. We live by the calendar with our shows. And I just want to ask you, how has using a calendar and time-bound goals helped you in your life and your recovery journey? Oh, you called me calendar queen or queen of the calendar. calendar Oh my God. I just am like going to sit with this for a second because it feels good. (laughs) Well, so I don't know if you guys know, if you're longtime listeners, you know, but like the very first product we ever had, like this was how Recovery Warriors stayed in business, like how we became a business was a annual calendar that we did. So I didn't. I don't know if you actually knew that, Andrea. I didn't know that. No. <laughs> yeah. So I really am the queen of the calendar. We should do a new calendar. That sounds cool. Yeah. We're going to bring them back. Yeah. We're actually bringing them back for our Courage Club um, members. So yeah. But anyways, calendars. I do love calendars. And why I think it's important to put a set time is that it gives you this momentum. And you know, if you look at a lot of your important life experiences, a lot of them had a calendar date associated with them in some way, shape, or form. And what we're really today talking about most of these things, guys, really boils down to what's called accountability. And we were initially going to call this show like the five C's of accountability, but we, we wanted to like help you see that accountability is not just, hey, when are you going to do something and by what time and I'll hold you accountable. But they do show that social accountability improves your likelihood of reaching a goal by 95%, which is amazing, right? Like if you have a 95% like push to get something done or accomplished in your life, well then social support, social accountability really makes a difference. But I was thinking about, you know, this today, like imagine if school had no deadlines or no dates or anything on it. Do you think we'd go through high school at all or college? Like if we had no calendar, like there's no exams, there was no classes, like nothing had a a time or a date associated with it. The whole freaking society would like collapse. Like we wouldn't even know what to do with ourselves if we didn't have like these time bound things that help us stay involved in something and and moving towards something, anything, sports, there's practice schedules, there's games that you play. All of these are in the calendar. Um, Meeting the love of your life, right, Andrew? You talk about this, like you have to go on the date that's in your calendar. August 20th, 2019. (laughs) Oh, you remember. That's cute. I love it. I would remember too. Uh, But it's like everything is in your calendar. This podcast, like we had to put it in our calendar in order for us to record this. And then we had to put it into a calendar for when we want it to be published. So just start to think about how important time is for you in anything. And we can use that for our advantage with our recovery. You can make sure that I have things in my calendar that are going to move me forward in my recovery. Because if you want to look at what your values are and what you prioritize in your life, honey, look at your calendar. Because when you look at your calendar, you'll see what are you prioritizing in your life? What is important to you? Then you can see, look, well, is, I mean, is this what I truly want to be putting my energy and effort into? And also look, am I putting pro-recovery or recovery-focused activities into my calendar? And recovery-focused activities don't have to always be just about the food and the body and the therapy. They can be things like, you know, when I was in, active in my recovery, it was taking stained glass classes, jewelry making classes, things that just helped me, uh, yoga, things that gave me structured time outside of, you know, engaging in behaviors, really. If I wasn't taking those classes, I would have been engaging in those behaviors. So those were ways for me to be like, okay, I am putting these activities in here 
because I want to build a life outside of the eating disorder. I want to build a life outside of these behaviors. So start to think in your life, get your calendar out. What am I doing on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis that's helping me move towards the person I want to become? And and it doesn't just necessarily have to be goals. I think it's more about who do you ultimately want to be? Sometimes we think it has to be like, well, if I put it in my calendar and it didn't happen, that means I'm a failure. Not if you are actually doing the things during those periods of time that were part of becoming that person who can reach that goal. I, I do think we overestimate how much we can do in a year, but we vastly underestimate how much we can do in three years or five years. So when we are focused more not on the result, but on the process, yeah, the better. Yeah, well, I think it's important, like when I with my experience with using calendars is to understand that plans change and that's okay sometimes. Like if you have something scheduled and you don't do it, that doesn't mean that you failed or you did something wrong. And I know when you have an eating disorder, it's so easy to look at things that feel rigid, like on a calendar and feel like you have to do it. And if you don't, oh no, like you were so bad. I know I have felt that way. So I'm maybe projecting my own experience. But so when I've used calendars for stuff or to schedule things, sometimes that moment comes and you're like, you know what? Not right now. Or like, something different has to happen. That's okay. Like you can you can ebb and flow. It does help you stay accountable, but also, you know, you're a human, not a machine and sometimes you can't exactly stick to the clock or the way things pan out. Well, also too with the calendar, it's such an amazing tool for learning and deeper understanding of yourself because you can use the calendar as a way to look at okay, how am I feeling energetically wise? Like, am I drained? Did I take on too much this week? So that's one thing I really like to help people look at is like, what is your plate? Your, you know, not the actual plate in which you 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 eat your meals off of, but like, what are you putting on your plate in a week? Because so many people can take on, you know, have a hard time saying no and setting boundaries and kind of that people pleaser and they want me to do it. So I'll do that. Or I'll do this. And all of a sudden your whole plate is full of all these other obligations. And where's time for yourself? Where's time for you? And no one's going to carve that out for you. Maybe like at a, an intervention or something. So like, And if you're fortunate, if you have someone who's really going to intervene on your part and be like, I really think you need more self-care. Um, but it's starting to see like, okay, what is my calendar speaking to me about my life and how I'm living my life? Am I going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, leaving myself no time to prep for meals or snacks? Is that why? You know, what is that intention of needing to go for one thing to the next thing to the next thing with no rest? And I found so much that my recovery, my behaviors when they were acting out was when I actually needed rest. But I ignored that and I would just engage in the behavior. And the behavior was in some ways a reprieve from my overloaded schedule that I was putting so much stress onto. And so starting to see that you can schedule in your downtime. You can schedule in your self-care time. And as Andrea said, if you're not meeting something on your calendar, like it's not going the way you thought it was, it's an opportunity to learn. It's not an opportunity to beat yourself up. It's an opportunity to say, wait, did I think I was superwoman here yeah. or superhuman? Like, did I think that I don't need breaks or did I forget to schedule luncheon? <laughs> like, <laughs> because that doesn't really mix with my recovery, right? Did I not leave any time for that? Did I think that that was only going to take me 20 minutes when maybe it takes me a whole hour to go through that process and just start to understand the way you work? Like, I know personally, I'm very ambitious and I get really excited about things. And I can underestimate 
how long something's going to take. And as a team member, Andrea, you, you've probably seen that. <laughs> and so now I recognize, <laughs> and instead of like whipping all us and making us all do it, because I'm also like in a phase in my life where I'm like, I just want to take care of myself. So I'm not into that like all-nighter phase that I used to be into yeah. much earlier. So I'm like, you know, we're doing this and we're doing this. So we're going to like have longevity. We're going to be te- well taken care of. So when I see that, I'm like, you know what? Actually, it takes me three times longer than I think it's going to take. So then I can plan that in that, okay, it's actually going to take three times longer. Like this show probably is going to be three times longer than we thought it was going to be, Andrea, <laughs> right? And so it's just like recognizing that. So I call it the rule of three for me. Okay. And you may find your own rule, like with your calendar that you set yourself up for unrealistic goals or things because you try to do too much in too small of a time. And so we need to meet that parts of ourselves with compassion. If you do find that you're taking on too much, not doing enough, quote unquote, enough, it's because you're not having enough energy and time for you to get what's most important done. Yeah. Well, it's reminding me of the concept of like, this is an example of when it's good to come from a place of abundance rather than scarcity. So give yourself an abundance of time to do what you need to do and not be on a time crunch because that's going to help you. And I want to invite our dear listener to practice using a calendar if they would like schedule a time on your calendar sometime in the next week and plan one recovery focused act. Maybe it's something, maybe it's uh, something that takes a few minutes, something small. You decide what it is. Maybe it's reading um, a recovery book or checking out you know, more podcast episodes, affirmations, something small, something big, whatever feels right to you in this moment. I just want to invite you to try scheduling something and and see how that works for you. Put it on your calendar. I know it's been super helpful for me in recovery. Jessica, again, is the calendar queen. <laughs> so <laughs> embrace it. Give, give it a try if you haven't yet. Now let's move on to our last thing that you need to stay on track and make real progress in your recovery. Number five, clarity. Clarity is the ability to see a situation more accurately and completely. And it's understanding that recovery takes time, it takes commitment and accountability. So create clarity around exactly what it is that you're working towards in recovery. Imagine a future you, like a you that is free from having your life ruled by fears and stress around body, food, and just imagine what your life would feel like to be without these things in the way. Think about how freeing that may be and picture what a recovered life looks and feels like. This is what gives you clarity about what you are working towards. So Jessica, how did clarity help you in the recovery process and how did you find clarity? Clarity. You know, I've always been someone who's very um, vision oriented, like like I love vision boards and like I would consider myself more of a visionary if I was to kind of you know put a, a word around. I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I see out into the future and I, and I love possibility that I see out into the future. So that always pulls me forward because I feel like we can be pushed by our pain or we can be pulled by our vision. And so with me, it's like the vision can pull you forward. So I always think it is helpful to start to look at what, yeah, what do I want to feel and what do I want to experience? What do I want to have in my life? And all of these things can help give us more clarity or, or you know, it's the, the do's and the don'ts. Like, I don't want to be living like this anymore. I don't want this. Like, this pattern is so old and outworn. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, time to just send that out into the dumpster. So 
recognizing things that you're over, that you're done with. That can be clarity. Uh, things that you want to replace that with because, you know, we don't, nature abhors a vacuum. It, you know, we don't live in in that. So whenever something leaves, something else has to take its place. This, this is a fundamental law of nature. So there's always going to be something moving within your your life once you let go of something. That's why I always think it's so important. Like, okay, you want to get rid of your eating disorder? Well, think about how much time and energy and thoughts that that took up. Those need to be replaced. It matters neither created nor destroyed. So it needs that time that you're putting that, it, it gets replaced. You, you do something else with that time. You do something else with that energy. So when you have clarity around, well, what could that be? What can I do? And I, you know, I just want to hold space for people when you're like, I don't know what that is. And that's okay to not have an idea. It's sometimes it can feel like you're navigating this and it's just really foggy and there's no real clarity. Um, and I've had periods like that and I hate that feeling because I really do live for like the clarity. And so when I'm in those spaces, it does, it feels really discombobulating and it's like, what's going on? And it's starting to tap into that like inner part within you that can can gently guide you within that space um, and not needing to take big steps. Like whenever we're navigating in fog, we need to go slower. We need to have a little more patience. Mm -hmm. We can't just go full throttle because, you know, that is when you run into things or you don't even know where you're going in the fog. So it's okay if you're lacking the clarity. It's still just about having that courage to kind of keep stepping yeah. through it. Well, because maybe clarity is around finding clarity around the moment, the right now. Maybe the clarity is I'm in the fog right now and, and this is what's happening right now. And mm -hmm. Yeah. And clarity really is just being able to see what is what is and what is and what could be. I really think, and and what was. So there's so much gift in being able to see our past from a new set of eyes. Because I do think, you know, our, our past is a place of reference, not residence. But sometimes we are really residing in our past and our emotional homes, like all the time. Uh, and we don't necessarily realize, wait, I can like move out of this emotional home that I have, you know, lived in for most of my life. I don't need to reside in the same painful patterns or same ways of thinking and being. I can I can upgrade. I can I can move out. And so we can see okay, clarity comes from what was, what is and what could be. And you can find clarity in all these things. And and that really does help with accountability because when you are clear around what you want, then you can create an action plan and you can surround yourself with the connections and you can make the commitment and then you can have the courage. Do you see how these all layer together? Yeah. So it really boils down to first step is the clarity because when you have the clarity, then you create the commitment. From the commitment, you make the connections who are going to help you. And then from there, you put it in the calendar and then you need the courage, right? They all layer upon one another. But courage with no clarity, like... <clears throat> Like you could do the stupidest things with that. Like, no, thank you. Been there. No, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, alcohol. Don't. 
that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know I've had those too. Like, right. So like, yeah, no clarity and no commit, no courage. Not good. Right. So we want to start with the clarity. And I guess we finished with this one last because maybe it's the most important one is to really get clear on that. And, you know, and there's so many ways that you can do this work. And, and if you do get on the waitlist for the Courage Club and you want to join us when we open doors, like we are doing uh, small groups that we let in different rounds. So, you know, that's a place where you can look for clarity. And other ways you can look for clarity is your journaling and just tapping into like, what are my, what do I want? What don't I want? These are simple questions. What do I like? What do I not yeah. like? And that's a way to connect with yourself. See, they're all layering into each other. There's connection again. Yeah. 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 So clarity is really, I think, so key. And you doesn't have to be like, I can sometimes think about it like a lighthouse where it, you know, has an intermittent light when you when you look at a lighthouse. It doesn't have to be a consistent source of clarity all the time. So you can get clarity. And then that can guide you for a little more time. And then you get more clarity and then that can guide you for more time. So just recognize that those points where clarity leaves is okay. It's It will come again uh, when you're patient and just open for that clarity to, to show itself. And um, you know, we have talked a lot about the Courage Club in, in this show, in this episode. It really is a, a place for anyone to go to who is making progress in their recovery, but really wants to continue that and stay on track and stay motivated and go the distance to full long-lasting recovery. And the waitlist to get inside the Courage Club, once again, we're only taking people from the waitlist inside the Courage Club, is www.jointhecourageclub.com. So when you go to www.jointhecourageclub.com, you can just fill in your information there and you'll be in contact with us and um, we look forward to getting to know some of you guys inside of the Courage Club more and connect with you yeah. there. I'm excited. It's going to be really beautiful to watch people make the step to join the Courage Club and make more steps in it. And I know we'll be practicing all of these five C's that we shared today. So uh, I want to thank you, Jessica, for joining me today. Your wisdom is always appreciated and so valuable. And thank you again for entrusting me in the role as host of Recover Strong. Very excited. We're wrapping up my first episode. Yeah. I'm so excited to see where this journey takes us and we'll continue with Fearless and so much more exciting stuff to come. So to review our five things are connection, courage, commitment, calendar, and clarity. Yes. So these are accountability. This is all what accountability is, guys. Connection, courage, commitment, calendar, and clarity. Well, my warrior friend, thank you for having the discipline to listen in. If you found this episode helpful and know somebody in recovery who could benefit from its inspiring message, please share this show with them. It would mean the world to us at Recovery Warriors if we can get our cause out to more people struggling with an eating disorder. So if what you heard today was helpful, share the show with another warrior or anyone on your treatment team. You can do this directly from your podcast player or send them over to recoverywarriors.com. We have a goldmine of free resources there for all stages of recovery. And until the next episode, may compassion light the path you are on and courage keep you on it. You totally got this, warrior. <laughs>